This episode is sponsored by Nonatonda. I started using Nonatonda last year because I, like so many of us, really missed going to restaurants during lockdown. With Nonatonda, you can receive restaurant quality fresh pasta every single week. All their produce is locally sourced where possible, and their eco friendly packaging means that you can indulge with a guilt free conscience. Plus, if, like me, you struggle to find the time to make elaborate meals, then fear not, because every single delivery is designed to be made in under five minutes, so it's completely fuss-free. So what are you waiting for? Sign up to Nonatonda today and use the code PASTA1, that's P-A-S-T-A, number one, to enjoy 50% of your first two deliveries. Thank you so much to Nonatonda. Welcome to The Uncertainties, the podcast for 20-somethings who don't quite have their shit together yet. I'm your host, Karis, and I started this podcast because the last few years have been a huge learning curve for me. Entering the world of work, moving out of my family home, trying, and often failing, to live up to the challenges of being a fully-fledged adult. It can be overwhelming at the best of times, and I know that I'm not the only person who feels like this, because I'm going to be speaking to a bunch of my friends and people that I admire about the struggles that they have faced, and how they are able to absolutely smash life. Today's guest was born in Rio, Brazil and moved to the UK in her early childhood. I remember her as the boisterous, bubbly, enigmatic performer when we went to dance school together. But 12 years on and she has travelled all over the world for her studies and her work and she can now call Brazil, LA, Hawaii, Texas, New York, London and Perth her home. Though she's only 26, she's already built up one seriously impressive resume, including giving a TEDx talk during uni, a degree and two masters under her belt from LSE and USC, and she's currently studying for her third. She worked at Wala for two years as a talent manager, representing some of the most exciting content creators across Instagram, YouTube and TikTok. And it's also where she was listed as one of the top 15 talent managers in the industry by the Business Insider. Now she's a casting manager at Playboy working on photo shoots. But despite her never ending list of incredible achievements, Yaz has faced periods of serious uncertainty. From figuring out how to say goodbye to a long-term relationship to truly understanding her purpose. Her future may seem uncertain to her, but I'm 100% certain that all I see is success. So welcome, Yasmin Coutinho. Hi. What are you doing? Good. I feel like you know me better than myself. Episode Uh, done. Oh, oh my God, I'm so excited. And also, this is amazing because we're doing another international episode. Thank you so, so much because I realize you're in Hawaii right now. Is that right? It's like 7 a.m. or something ridiculous. So I'm like incredibly appreciative that you're doing this with me because it's a super early um, start for you. But I'm so excited. Yes. No, I'm excited too. I'm so, this is probably the first time we've even seen each other in like I know. years. So I'm also just happy to see you. I know and catch up. Um, but there are a few things that I want to talk to you about. I mean, I've listed so many incredible accomplishments in your introduction. Uh, the first being your TED Talk, which was incredible. I gave it a watch today um, oh and I absolutely God. loved it. It's only 10 minutes, but honestly, I found it so insightful, so educative and so thought provoking. Um, obviously, you studied psychology at uni. 
and I feel like you kind of combined your studies in psychology with your experience of traveling and that's kind of how how this this talk kind of came to be for me I felt like it explored your experience of living in so many different places and how that has formed your identity and I found that really fascinating because I think that um often you find that people who move around a lot growing up can really struggle with their sense of self and their sense of identity and what I really loved is that actually you you kind of turned what could have been perceived as a negative into a huge huge positive and kind of made that multicultural experience a really positively impactful experience I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about your your TED talk how it came to be as well because I was definitely not doing TED talks at uni I was just like (laughs) getting drunk on Jaeger bombs and falling asleep until 4pm so Um, yeah I think doing a TED talk even though this was like a TEDx so like the college uni well not uni version of TED talks um Mm -hmm. was definitely always on my bucket list um but I guess I was so unexperienced and so I mean, they were looking for people who would want to talk about like either art or psychology or just something um, that had some substance to it when it came to like certain subjects. I can't even remember now. And I think I just applied, but in my application, I said, I actually don't know what I want to speak about. Like, but this is like what I've done. And this is, you know, like the experience I have. As I said, don't know what I'd like to talk about, but like, let me know if there's interest and we can kind of workshop it. And then there was interest. And then I actually workshopped with them based on like my life and experience, like what would be mainly interesting. Cause I never want to speak about things that like are just not interesting to people. And sometimes you don't know what interests people about your life or your experience, right? So it was nice actually like speaking with the organizers and being like, look, this is who I am. This is my life. This is what I've done what do you want me to speak about (laughs) and they really liked the angle of like the fact I had moved around a lot and had gone to like 50 countries um and traveled so much and you know just was always willing to pack up and leave and move to another country like I did with Australia for for exchange um so I kind of yeah so I kind of tie that in with psychology which is what I um did my undergrad in and I think it turned out okay even though it was like I mean I do kind of cringe now looking back at it like I do find it cringing and embarrassing but it was definitely a really good experience to learn like how do you do a 10 minute talk that you have to kind of memorize or kind of you know have a structure to it because I've never done that before apart from like drama where you memorize lines but you have someone else obviously you have cues to pick up on yeah totally so it was definitely like I think what I actually gained most from that was learning how to do a 10 minute like talk that you have to remember which was it was challenging but yeah that is so hard as you just said you don't have any cues I imagine or do you is there someone is there someone no there to give you cues? No, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. like slides with images but you can't really look back at them so mm. it has to be like the slides have to kind of follow what you're saying which is even harder because then it's like you say the word house and now it's a picture of your house like <laughs> it, yeah it was it was definitely a skill to be mastered but um yeah, it was great. And I, I think it was extra special that I did it in Australia because 
yeah I think it was just it, it was like I'm speaking about traveling I'm speaking about being foreign and here I am in this like very far away foreign land I like that also I love the fact that actually your your accent kind of it's has Australian become, it's, it's become yeah it's become like such a chameleon when I was listening to it you sounded so Australian I was like I don't recognize this so yes, what's going on I definitely went full Australian when I moved there. And actually my friends who, you know, Laura and Charlotte came yeah. to visit me in Australia and they were like, what the hell has happened to you? You yes. And I never, I never got an American accent coming here to the US. It was just Australia where I, I don't know, I changed. <laughs> but you mentioned some really interesting things that I wanted to just very quickly pick up on. You said in your TED talk that the most important things that you attribute to your the core of your identity are the epiphanies that you had by embracing cultures of the places that you lived in. And I was wondering, this is quite, <laughs> this is putting you on the spot a little bit. First question, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, well, you've literally just rolled out of bed, like had your morning coffee. And I'm like, let's talk about existential crises. <laughs> no let's dig right into it let's just do it but I was just wondering if you had specific like if you remembered specific things about you know when you were in Perth for example was there something was there a part of your your identity that you felt really grew in that time I think there's two things I want to talk about I think one is Australia and one is actually coming back from the to the UK from Australia um and yeah there's like everywhere I've gone everywhere I've moved to every period of my life that I've been I mean where I'm from is Brazil and I've been away from Brazil all of my life so there's been you know learnings and epiphanies everywhere I've gone or every time I've been far away from home which is Brazil to me um but I think that Australia was a big big one because I was so far away from from home and I was so young at the time I thought I was so old I thought I was 20 years old like an adult you know like you you feel like you've got life figured out and I did think that and I'm happy I did because it gave me the confidence to just thrive but um now looking back I'm like oh my god I was so young and I look at 20 year olds now like Addison Ray, and I'm like, oh Addison Ray in Perth. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> I was so young, and I definitely like grew a lot as a person. I think one of the biggest things that happened to me then was I fell in love with my ex boyfriend, which I had never fallen in love with the guy before. I had always fallen in love with women. I had, you know, done the whole coming out thing is I'm gay, like I love women. Everyone needs to accept the fact that I'm always gonna be with women. And my parents were always very accepting, but they were always very like, well, how do you know you're not bi? And I'm like, stop being so homophobic. Like, this is who I am. But yeah. They were always very like, you know, like be open-minded, you know, and they were accepting, but just encouraging me to be open-minded. And then I went, got to Australia on the first day and I, I fell in love with him. And I was like, whoa, like maybe I'm bi, like maybe, you know? And that was a huge eye opener that, of like for my sexuality that like, maybe, you know, it is a very fluid thing. Maybe I don't have to mold myself into one thing. Um, and then it also made me like look at the past and think how, because I was so sure that I was gay and thought myself as like this very, you know, closed off identity, I maybe like close my eyes off to people that could have come in or like people that I could have liked. So that was a big eye opener is like my whole sexuality cha changed from day one. Um, and I suddenly had to like accept that, you know, who I thought I was wasn't actually it. And I had to 
Tell everyone. False <laughs> <laughs> alarm, guys. Bye. Change your mind. <laughs> yeah, change my mind. Um, so that was an interesting experience. And I think he was the person that like, he was my first serious long-term relationship. And we have that throughout my whole time in Australia. And then thereafter when, you know, we continued our lives together and falling in love as a young adult, when, you know, you have to make certain decisions that you then have to think of each other and, you know, and money's at play and, you know, it's just more grown up that was my first instance of that and it felt and he was older he was like I was 20 he was like 29 so um I also had to learn how to like okay how can you love someone but not lose yourself you Mm -hmm. know how can you make these decisions but also not do everything for them and think of yourself Mm -hmm. it was very hard to navigate um especially also I had never been in in a relationship with a guy so I didn't know how the fuck to date a guy. <laughs> like it was so different. <laughs> um, so that was one of the biggest things I learned. And then coming back to the UK, I think the biggest epiphany I had was coming back to the UK, I had a really good kind of life where I had all of my friends, you know, they were with me. I suddenly wasn't in a foreign land where I had to make new friends. I, my mom, by that time, they had moved to the States. So they left me their apartment um, that I could live in. Um, and it was like a beautiful three bedroom apartment with an amazing balcony in Canary Wharf. Like it was honestly like they couldn't have set me up better to come home. I had a good job where I was, you know, getting good income and I was doing my master's at LSE. And yet I was so unhappy. I was so miserable. I don't know if it's because I miss my boyfriend or I don't know what, but then he did move out, um, to live with me and we lived together in that apartment for one and a half years but throughout that whole time I was miserable and I think I realized it was that I'm destined to live in a sunny place and I know this sounds so small (laughs) and so trivial but when you realize what you need in your life and what you value and what is the most important thing that will get you out of bed you need to chase that and you need to like because otherwise your whole balance is off and so I said, I need to live in a place where I can see the sea every day, where I can have the sun every day, where I can go to the beach if I want to. Um, and so I committed to that because I was like, I have everything. I have a boyfriend who loves me, who I love. I have all of my friends here. I have an amazing apartment where I don't pay rent in. I have money. I have a job. Like I could not have asked on paper for anything else. And yet mm-hmm. I was the most unhappy that I've ever been. And so that's when I decided to move to LA because my parents were in the States. So it was like, it kind of made sense to go closer to where they were. And I hadn't, you know, it's a place that I hadn't yet been. So that's why I decided on LA. And now that's why I'm in Hawaii. I'm like more to the sun. Uh, and more yeah, to the warmer. I, I want to get warmer, yeah. even warmer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that's really incredible actually, because it shows that you have a really strong um, sense of self and you like you are very intuitive with yourself. When I say it out loud, like, oh, the weather and the sun makes such a difference. But now I've met people who are literally like, I cannot live in, you know, in a place like that rains and is gray because it really just affects your mood and your happiness. It makes sense to me because I'm from Brazil. Like I grew up on the beach every day. Yeah, exactly. I obviously having lived all of my life in the UK up till when I went to Australia, I didn't realize how the sun was a huge part of my life that I needed Mm. And living in Australia and finding all this happiness that honestly, I love life so much every day in Australia. Like I was just the happiest I had ever been. 
and I didn't think that would go away I just thought oh you know maybe I've hit a curve in my life where I'm, I'm just as happy being and so and then I came back to the UK and that changed and I was like oh maybe it's like the sun and the sea and you know so that's why I was like okay I need to change my life what would you say are like the biggest challenges that you have have kind of put yourself in so far I actually think so here's a funny and I always talk to people about this packing up and moving and leaving and like mm. going into life somewhere is the easiest thing for me I don't find that difficult at all I actually think it's like I constantly want to be doing that because I find it so easy I love the change um, I love you know the kind of expectation of like who am I going to meet what am I going to like it's for me that's very easy what I find hard is stability so for example like at that example I gave of like coming back to the UK setting up a life with my ex-boyfriend where we had a house together and we had the Monday every day together I found that very very hard and I was like you know is this it is this what my life's always going to be like now that you know I've settled down with someone it was really really challenging to accept stability and I don't know if I, I mean one day I'll probably have to like <laughs> accept it <laughs> <laughs> But for now, I'm like, you know, trying to um, do everything I have to do in my life, like work and, you know, get my master's and do these things whilst also retaining the change that I love. I think it's also, I've never wanted to be like normal. I've, I've always wanted to be very different from people and I've always wanted to do different things from people. So I get very scared or like, you know, uncomfortable if I'm doing the same as everyone else or if I'm in the same place as everyone else or... I don't know why I, I just don't want to be I, I fear normalcy so um, <laughs> maybe that's what stability brings is that is you know that kind of mediocrity that I don't think I suit I think the other kind of challenges is I'm so, as you mentioned love one of my core values like hmm. I am such a lover like I think I love love more than anything in life like I was destined to just love people and um, I think that. A, being happy. I, I haven't been single since I was 16, right? It's just gone from partner to partner to partner. And there were definitely periods of like, you know, maybe we're on a break or maybe we're taking time apart geographically. I mean, with my ex, we were long distance for a lot of the six years. So it's it's learning how to be okay by yourself. And I think that has been a challenge for me, like in the periods where I have been alone, like who am I like without this person, you know, how can I be happy without this external source of validation and love and comfort? That's been really challenging. And I think I found that when um, I came to LA and I was away from my partner with COVID and everything. And that's when I really realized, I think I'll be okay by myself. But, um, and then also, which kind of links to that is because I do love people so intensely, it's like not giving them, you know, not losing myself in it so that everything I do is for them. You know, I have to think of myself and that took me so long to realize and put myself first. Um, so it's, it's learning how to love intensely yet moderately at the same time. Yeah, totally. I, I completely understand that feeling, especially when you're um, 
when you're falling in love for the first time obviously every emotion is so incredibly intense so you want to like give your like yourself to this person and you want to do everything for them and you're like well that's just what relationships are it has to be like this but you're so right that um there has to be a balance there has to be a balance of understanding the needs of your partner but definitely definitely prioritizing the needs of of yourself because if you can't show up for yourself you can't show up for anybody else so yeah I feel like you've spoken a little bit um, just now about about your partner and I, your ex partner. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that when I asked what you felt the most uncertain about was something that that was one of your main uh, mm-hmm. answers. And I just wanted to delve into that a little bit more because I mean, for me, I've I've experienced long distance. I'm putting this in quotes because long distance for me is is London to Liverpool. Whereas- <laughs> And that to me was like, I'm doing the yeah. longest distance right now. It's so hard. Um, but <laughs> genuinely, I was like, woe is me. Get out my little violin. Look, there were so many parts of that relationship within the six years where sometimes we were a long distance between Australia and the UK. And sometimes we were living together either in Australia or when he moved to the UK to be with me. And actually the hardest part of the relationship was when he moved with me. And when we suddenly were like, okay, we're used to the long distance thing where it's very exciting. We see each other every two months. It feels like a vacation. Every moment is like a honeymoon. But how do we regain that sort of happiness and excitement when we're living together? And I think that there were definitely moments of like, yeah, I love this. And then there was definitely moments like I felt, you know, I was very bored. Oftentimes with long, not sorry, not long distance, long-term relationships, we, when our gut is telling us something isn't right, we kind of ignore it and wait for something to go wrong. Like someone to cheat on each other, someone to lie. And we were like, he was, he's a really great person. And I mean, we're still friends now, but nothing ever went wrong. And I had to actually be like, my gut is telling me that you know the expiry date has kind of come with this chapter um we need to let go you know we're not serving each other a purpose anymore we're not growing together anymore we want different things of you know geography and jobs and you know what we want to do with our lives I had always made it very clear that traveling was one of my main purposes and he wanted the geographical stability so we would be like you know how is this going to work I want to keep moving around I want to move to Bali I want to move to Hawaii I want to I want to do all these things and I'm not saying that that's impossible to do with a partner I'm just saying that he wanted very different things Mm. so I read Glennon Doyle's Untamed um, whilst we were doing it was COVID and we were far away from each other and we had already kind of been on the rocks and I read that book and I was like holy shit what I need to do is for once in my life do something hard and like accept <laughs> that like sometimes you just have to do hard things and like face it you know and like I just I wasn't accepting that I was gonna have to get uncomfortable and like hurt someone and like potentially go against everything that I thought my life would be which was marry him have kids with him but it was that gut feeling that was saying like something isn't right like you're not happy in this anymore like you want to do all these other things like you and I think that book I'm sure it changed so many women's lives but yeah I know so many people who recommended it like so many people I've seen they're like this has changed my life and it's been recommended to me so many times so when I read that in your answer I was like I need to read this book it sounds amazing yeah I'm sure your boyfriend would be like don't read the book He's hiding it around the house. I bought it like yeah. 10 times. It just keeps throwing um, it out. 
so yeah I think it was just and now like now when I go into relate I have a new relationship now and going into that it was great because I was so confident in like knowing that if I was to feel that you know that uncertainty again I knew I know exactly when you know to communicate that and to pull out and to not because I think honestly like I think I dragged my last relationship on for so much longer than it should have done because of him if I was really you know being less selfish and thinking of him more I should have you know let it go sooner so I Mm. but you know I had to go through that to learn that so especially when you still have so much love and respect for a person I can imagine that ending that relationship can be so hard like I yeah so I have so much respect I think there's there's definitely a running theme here which is that you're incredibly intuitive because again it's like knowing when something doesn't sit right with you and acting upon that instead of just sitting with it and letting it kind of build in in you and then end up resenting other people or the weather or whatever it is (laughs) and I think that's when I think out of my whole life that's when I ignored my intuition for the longest and I wish that I had jumped on it sooner and just did the right thing sooner but because I didn't you know he was I you know I always love him as you know a person I deeply care about Mm. so I the last thing I ever wanted to do was hurt him like the last thing I ever wanted to do was break up and hurt him like I just couldn't face it and that's what I think the book taught me it's like actually in order for you to be happy long term and in order for him to be happier long term like you have to go through this period of like doing something really hard and he won't get it he didn't get it at first you might not get it at first we you know but now it's like oh yeah that made that made sense like it was the best thing for us it's definitely not to do with age and age gaps. I think it's just what stage of life you're at and what mm. you want. I have, Now I'm like, wow, I have to actually consider that, you know, what they want for their life and like what path they're taking and like how we can grow together and what we can give each other and like what growth we can offer each other so that if this doesn't last forever, um, like what we can then take out of this relationship you know so I'm now being very like okay let's sit down and discuss this yeah I think that's so incredibly mature and it's a nice way to look at relationships and that even though they don't always last Mm -hmm. they are still huge periods of growth and learning and that you they are still very positive experiences um the second thing that you mentioned is purpose and this is another one that I think really resonated with me I think you've kind of slightly touched it already that feeling of like you know rebuking normalcy at all costs and and kind of moving away from mediocrity and all of that stuff but um yeah tell me why purpose is one thing that you feel very uncertain about yeah so I think I always struggled with this because it just seemed to me like everyone around me or most people around me had the sense of purpose of like this is what I really want my job to be I'm gonna chase it and do it or you know this is what I really want my life to be or this is what I really want my next chapter to be you know I really want a house I want to save up for a house this is what I really want and I find that great and I'm very envious of people who have all this you know the sense of purpose of like what they want in life Mm. I happen to be one of those people where I constantly have no idea what I want um I (laughs) I have absolutely no idea I just chase very short-term things that I do want like oh now I want to move to Hawaii or now I want to move to LA or now I want to do this and I chase that and then I do that and then it's like on to the next um but I guess I've had to settle for the fact that like you know some people just aren't made to have a grand big long-term purpose and some people are okay to just have 
very short, manageable, short-term goals that, you know, they can see and grab and then move on to the next thing. And that's okay for life to be like that. So I think that as young people, young adults, we're just surrounded by this pressure of purpose. And it's like, in order to get to that, like, long-term goal, you need to have this path set out and you need to do these things in order to get there. And it's like, well, what do you, what do you do when you don't even know where you want to get to, you know? Yeah, it's, totally. It's so I've just come to accept that um, I don't have a grand purpose. Don't think I ever will have a grand purpose. <laughs> I have values that I like to live by, which is, you know, as you said, adventure and love and love for my family and being close to my family and um, kind of living my life as if it's my last day every day doing, you know, having an internal bucket list of everything I want to do. And maybe that can be my purpose. You know, it's like, okay, this is, and I genuinely have a bucket list of things I want to do. Um, and, you know, I always try and live life with those things in, in mind, but I don't have this, like, my purpose is X, Y, and Z. I think mm. I Firstly, please tell us what's part of your bucket list. I'd like to know. Oh, <laughs> you know, it was actually public. Well, what have you already internet. ticked off as well? Yeah. Oh, it's so many things. It's like as trivial as like, like one of the things in my bucket list was island hopping in Hawaii. And I actually moved to Hawaii and I island hop constantly. So that was fun to see like come to fruition. Um, one of the other things was Australia. And then it's just kind of like small things like skydiving and um, doing a TED talk and um, some like professional related, um, mainly it's not, mainly it's like travel and life related and showing my young brother certain parts of the world. And yeah, it's, it's very light, very light, um, fun things. Oh, no, I love that. I should really do that. I know loads of people do the 30 before 30 list where they do like, they list out 30 things they want to do. I feel like that might be quite a fun thing, but <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing with me is, I always forget about the bucket list, and then I do stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, that was in the bucket list." Great! <laughs> oh, I just accidentally tick that yeah, off. Yeah, I always just do them, and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that was in the bucket list. That's great." <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible! I love that. <laughs> but also, I think that what you're saying is really interesting because actually, by by letting go of that pressure of purpose and whatever that may be you have been able to you know move your career and your studies and your life in so many different directions and experience so many different things that I think uh, a lot of people because maybe they are so focused on this purpose or this goal that they're going towards and they kind of might be a bit tunnel visioned in that might not see the opportunity to grab if that makes sense um so I actually think that feeling uncomfortable in the uncertainty of like, you know, I don't, I don't have a five-year goal is actually, you know, some people might find that really scary, but actually can be a bit of a superpower to be like, you know what? I, mean, I don't have a one-week goal. Like right now, I don't <laughs> oh, I have, know don't have a day goal. <laughs> like I don't, I have, uh, yeah. And that's the thing. I actually envy that. And I envy people who are able to be very structured with their lives and, set those you know set that purpose but I'm oh yeah I'm a bit of a hot mess in the purpose department <laughs> in the in the old purpose department yeah, yeah. <laughs> next <laughs> take it or leave it whatever <laughs> oh 
my god I love it uh the other thing that I wanted to talk about are role models I always think it's really interesting to hear um who people find to be really good role models or, or mentors even in their life but there was one that I thought was so interesting that no one has ever said before that you said which is the past versions of yourself and I actually really like this idea so tell me a little bit why yeah. why you see that yourself as a role model yeah so firstly I just don't have any role models or mentors like this is something that comes up so much everyone asks you know I'm like there is not one person in the world apart from my mum which we'll get to that like I think wow what a role model like I just don't but I feel like there has been times in my life where I have been a certain way or done certain things with such fervor and such fearlessness that like I think as you get older, you lose so many of the qualities that, you know, are so great about being a child or a, mm. a young adult, you know, a teenager. And sometimes I'm like, you know, what would young Yaz have done? And that is what I need to do is just be brave or be fearless or be, you know, communicative or be, yeah. So I kind of look to that and think, you know, there's the qualities that I'd like to have in myself again. Um, and also like mistakes that I have learned from where it's like, you know, maybe don't do that again. So that is the role model in the sense of like, you know, you've made mistakes, do it differently now. So I always just look to like myself. It's such a, such a vain <laughs> thing. Like I just look to myself. Look, but yeah, sometimes it's just me, mom, myself and I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apart from my mom, who's like really incredible. Um, yeah, no. No, I love that. I also just really want to apologize quickly because I don't know whether or not you heard that, but there was an ice cream van that just went past <laughs> and it was so loud. It was literally like, doo, 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 doo. like the jingle went on for about five minutes while you were That's talking the most there. British thing um, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, so, yeah, you also mentioned your mum. <laughs> oh, I could cry talking about them. I love them so much. But I think. I mean, look, matter of fact is I wouldn't be able to do any of the things I do if it wasn't for them. Like all of the experiences I have, all of the privileges I've been able to have, it's all because of them. And I'm not saying that in like, oh, they gave me the money to do those things. It's either they set the example and just say, you know, you can do everything you want in this life. You can have everything you want. You just have to put your mind to it and do it. Um and also, you know, encouraged me to do everything. When I said, I want to move to Australia or I want to move to Hawaii, they're like, oh my God, can I come and visit? Like, you should go do it. Like, they've never said no to anything. And if anything, they're like, yes, like, I want you to do this. Like, you should absolutely do it. So I think they've been the people that will encourage me the most to do shit and like be different and like really just see the world and anything I want in it as like completely in reach and like nothing is impossible. And also as like role models, as examples, it was great growing up um, be because my mom after a certain, so my mom was always studying. She like had her master's and then PhD. And then when she got her jobs um, after a certain point, my dad, um, and I think this is when she was pregnant with my younger brother, he stopped working so that he could look after Lucas. So he was kind of, you know, a stay at home dad looking after my brother and my mom was working. And they don't realize how sort of subversive that is, you know, in sort of society where, you know, the woman's the breadwinner and the dad, you know, you know, takes care of the child. I don't think they realize that at all, because when I talk about it, they're like, that's not 
different. Like that's just, you know, live, that's just teamwork. Um, but I think it was really nice having, you know, the example of having, you know, this female powerhouse breadwinner. And, you know, my dad who who has always worked too, but I think he was, he's the more domestic one, looks after the house, enjoys looking after the house. So it was nice to have reverse gender roles because I just then grew up automatically not thinking about gender in those ways. It's been really nice having that example. Um, they're so supportive. They're the most supportive people ever. And they're just fun. Like they think everything I do is hilarious. And they're like, they're like my biggest supporters, honestly. Like just having constant hype and I, man, always. Yeah. And I think that's actually a bad thing because I grew up thinking I'm like God's gift. And the like shit. Gift. <laughs> and I'm like, these people don't think I'm the shit. And they're like, them they're just jealous they're not worth your time they're not worth your time yeah and 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 then now I meet people who were definitely not brought up like that and they're like wow you're like different and I'm like well were you not brought up thinking that you're just like the best person on earth like that's so bizarre so I honestly just like won the parent lottery with my parents also they've been together since they're 14 which I think is fucking weird like I'm just like (laughs) I'm just that like, is insane to be honest that's just wow. so sweet and like kudos to that I mean what you know what a situation but I'm like how what is I the mean, secret I- sauce and tell us and put it on the podcast please we don't know yeah let's interview them next because like wow yeah no it's amazing um I would also love to talk about playboy if you don't mind really quickly because you're up in the merch right now I everyone buy playboy merch so that we can do really well <laughs> it's so cool it's so so cool um I yeah I'm just I feel like I had this preconception of playboy and I wonder I wonder if this is how a lot of people feel that are my age I think I I I because I grew up with it in the like in the noughties and I really associated it with like the Playboy Mansion and like mm-hmm. nightclubs and things like that and the notoriety of it that I had this relatively outdated view of it as a brand and then I was kind of going through all of this stuff and looking at your articles and stuff today and was so pleasantly surprised at how much they've committed to making it this really progressive new mm-hmm. young brand and I just was wondering as someone who is part of that community yourself and has spoken openly about being a bisexual Latino woman. How important was it for you joining this company to really bring those values to your job in your everyday life? Yeah, I think, you know, everywhere where I work, I endeavoured to feel like I'm being represented or if I'm not being represented, I can bring representation to the table or, you know, being in a place where you can be unapologetically yourself and you know perform your true identity in no matter what project you're doing so yeah so I essentially in order to kind of explain about the like diversity thing it's important to kind of say like what I do so it's like I basically lead the playmate franchise which there's historically 808 playmates obviously some of those have died some of those are no longer working and then we have an active bunch of playmates who are willing to work with us willing to come to events willing to you know work on marketing for us So it's kind of keeping relationships with those um, and then casting for like shoots, events, um, all of our marketing campaigns, and then also leading um, influencer marketing activities for our e-commerce business. 
so anything really related to talent is it kind of comes back to me and also every event that we do it's like who are we going to pay to go to the event you know what influencers should we get involved I've always the, the person that I kind of um took over from the playmate franchise was very very you know good and passionate about having you know diverse playmates and bringing representation to the table so it's very important for me to continue that not only with like the playmate franchise but with everything else now that we're a completely different company we have you know it's like a board of directors that kind of owns playboy um we have no association to kind of you know the past um obviously we want to continue just being socially progressive our slogan is now pleasure for all it used to be entertainment for men and so oftentimes when we're shooting with playmates or models they're just really surprised at how you know usually it's like a female dream team of creative directors and photographers and they're like oh my god this is not what I was expecting you know for playboy so I think we're just um, really going down a track of breaking boundaries we want to be at the forefront of anything in culture so right now we're like selling nfts and you know i saw it's so fascinating and like working with people from Mm -hmm. is it like local local talent and local like influencers to do the nfts right exactly so like working with tastemakers and um influencers in the crypto world and now we have like a whole blockchain team at playboy so really is being at, not only at the forefront of like representation diversity inclusion but also just at the forefront of culture and you know being drivers of culture and lifestyle obviously we're still playboy so you know at the crux of what we do is sexual pleasure and also um you know freedom of expression and making people feel like they should express themselves how they want and live a life of pleasure um so that's what we kind of promote but within that it's very important for me to make sure that everyone is included in this pleasure for all sort of slogan, which is why we like recently, one of the projects that we did was cast Bretman Rock as our sort of cover star in a bunny suit. I saw, which is amazing. And I love, I love that. I love that so much. And I love the fact that you're so like personally, but then also overall as a brand, so committed to that, I think is really, it's really cool. Everywhere that you work, it's like you want to be able to re- like you want to be working with people who are just like yourself. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we have diversity in cultures. We have, a, you know, lots of Latinos. I mean, loads of the women that work there are bio gay. So I just feel like, you know, I'm represented. And I think that's really important when you work somewhere. You want to see yourself in your colleagues. One of the last things that uh, I wanted to ta- talk to you about, sorry, is womanhood and adulthood and what those two things mean to you I think comparisons is like the worst thing that women get and everyone's constantly being compared in all sorts of ways Mm. so really just like not comparing and living your own life and focusing on your you know your own happiness and your own track and you'll be okay I feel like I've had so many chapters in so many different places and so many different people and it's kind of accepting and that's something I struggle with but accepting like when to move on or like when to close a chapter or when to like be like you know you don't need to drag this out it's okay to like move on to the next thing or the next job or the next place and have to meet new people like it's okay I really did that and also in 2020 COVID year I for the first time ever which seems so silly because I'm like 26 years old I should have learned how to do this before but it was really the first time where I learned and decided to cut toxic people out of my life and like to actually break up with like friends or people that were in my life where I was like 
wow, you are no good. Let me remove you. I didn't know how to do that before. I would go to the end of the world to like make relationships okay or apologize when I hadn't done anything wrong because I just felt like, you know, everything had to be comfortable. And, you know, me knowing that if I walked down the street and I saw someone I didn't get on, like that couldn't possibly happen. Like everything had to be, you know, I had to be in good terms with everyone. But actually like some people are not meant for you to be in good terms with. And some people are toxic and you need them out. And oh my God, it feels so great. It's so freeing. I'm so happy that you've mentioned this because it's not a skill that we learn or are good at. No. Totally. And I a hundred percent champion that school of thought because life is so short and as much as like you know you or I might be well I'm a massive people pleaser Mm -hmm. you know you can't you can't live your life by the expectation of other people especially if they are actually damaging your your life and your sense of self it is literally like breaking up with with a, a partner and it's it can be really really hard but definitely definitely something that's necessary and I think but in your 20s specifically I think it is quite a big time for that where you just suddenly start separating from from friends. I was really surprised that it was like at 26, well, 25 was like the first time I ever did it where I kind of, I'd get into these, you know, arguments or fights with people or friends in my life where the past me would have like just forgiven them, apologized when I haven't done anything wrong and just, you know, tried and tried and tried to make this relationship work. But I don't know, maybe it was COVID year, you know, where everyone was having epiphanies of like, <laughs> yeah. this is right, this is wrong. And I just was like, you know what? Like, don't speak to me again. Like, we don't need this. Like, we're done. Um, and it's been great. I feel so freeing. And yeah, they should teach people. We, this should be spoken about more. As is like, you know, how upsetting that can be when you break up with a friend, because I don't mm-hmm. think we speak enough about friends as... We know we always speak about relationships and romantic relationships, but we don't speak about the gravity and consequences of friendships and how important they are and like how they are like relationships, you know, like I always say my biggest soulmate in my life is my best friend, Laura. Like she is my soulmate. Like our relationship is like a marriage. You know, we like we we I there's no other way to say it. Thankfully, you know, nothing's ever gone wrong with her, but it's like just like other friendships are all little relationships it's it can be horrible when you have to break up or have to accept that something is toxic and I don't think we speak about that enough I think like I've always lived my life of like I actually have no regrets because I just think every mistake I've ever done it's like been a learning curve of like oh that's why you don't do that or like oh you know I have the capacity to hurt someone in this way therefore like be careful next time you engage in this sort of so I don't actually have any regrets. If anything, I regret the things I haven't done, like things I haven't said to people that I should have said or moments I thought I'd get again and didn't. So um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's just, I know it's such a cliche thing to, to say, but like looking at mistakes as like growth opportunities, I think that's why I now live like every day is my last and like the fragility of life. And we're getting very deep here, but like <laughs> how life, how like fragile life actually is. Oh yes. Okay. Well, we are, we are slowly getting to the end of the podcast, but there are two final questions that I asked my guests. Okay. Um, the first being, what do you feel the most uncertain about right now? Again, probably relationship. Cause I'm in a new relationship. I'm very in love, very happy. 
but we're we're riddled with the old age dilemma of I'm moving to LA, which just seems to be a theme with me. I go to places, I fall in love, and then I have to move somewhere else. Oh, um, oh so is she from Hawaii? She lives in Maui. She used to live oh. in like yeah. She used to live in California. She used to live in Malibu. And she's like originally from Seattle, but yeah, she's, she lives here. She's pretty happy here. Um, She's open to the idea of moving to California, but again, I'm like, you know what? People just have to make their own decisions, their own choices, because I've, I've learned my lesson now of like, you know, making people move around the world for me. So I think that's one of the most uncertain things. It's like, you know, new relationship, we're moving away. We've now been together for about nine months. So it's like, you know, we're we're in it we're very in it um and we're very happy so it's just knowing what's going to happen or what we're going to do but we're just going to ride the wave we're not going to do anything else. we're just going to ride the wave short-term Maybe goals few, just thinking about yeah. the few, week few, plans <laughs> few weekend trips here and there and then we'll figure it out uh yeah. and the final thing that I want to ask is what do you feel the most certain about right now oh I'd say my job and I say my job, I think that it's very hard for people to find jobs that they love. And Mm. sometimes you're like, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right company? And I'm honestly so happy at Playboy. I really love my job. Don't get me wrong. It is fucking hard. And every day I am so stressed. And I mean, American corporate culture is a whole different podcast that we can do. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Um. So I'm not saying like, oh, you know, I'm having a really easy time and everything's dandy and nice. But I think when, you know, it's much harder to, sorry, it's much easier to do hard things or, you know, go through hard situations at work when you're in a place that you love and totally. like, you know, working for a brand or a company that you love and that you believe in. And when you're getting to be creative, I think I've always been quite a creative person, but I wasn't necessarily getting to be creative in my past jobs. And I mm. felt like always something was missing and I didn't quite know what it was. Um, so now I feel very fulfilled in like, you know, how I'm using my time and how I'm, I'm getting to work. So that's what I'm most certain about, I'd say. Um, yeah. Oh, yes, it's been so amazing to chat to you and just like generally catch up. It's been so, so, so nice. Much. And also, thank you for like having so much energy when it's the beginning of the morning, because my God, I would be like so croaky and so sleepy. So <laughs> I really appreciate no, it's Actually being here with the time difference to LA, I wake up at like five every day. So this really? is really. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better but no honestly I, I appreciate it so much can't thank wait to you. see what you're doing next and yes thank you so much for being here thank you I love you keep thriving you're doing great oh, I love the podcast love you so much um, this has been right. the uncertainties and we'll be back with another episode soon thank you bye